When I was in high school, there was a guy who invested deeply into me. He was the uh, music director of the church where my dad uh, pastored, and his name was Ken. He was an amazing uh, music mind, and he played all kinds of instruments, and he sang beautifully, and he tried to get me in the choir. Now, some of you have heard me sing before, and let's just put it this way, it was a tall task for Ken. And I never really was very good at the choir whatsoever, but um, he saw some leadership potential in me. And so he would uh, kind of feed into my system to try to help me to become a better leader. He thought He saw something in me as a high school kid that I just didn't see in myself. So he would take me to these different leadership uh, workshops and training seminars. And I'll never forget going to one that he took me to in New York City. And I'd never been to New York City before, and it was amazing. It was really cool. And the topic that we were looking at was how we could help with the struggle of homelessness in our local communities. And so uh, they brought these high school kids together. We learned all about it. And then we went off uh, back to our hometown. And for me, that was Anderson, Indiana. And Ken and I developed some different ways that we could care for the needs of those who were homeless. And it was such an amazing experience to have that first time where I was a leader back in my own community. But Ken wasn't just concerned about me as a leader. He actually cared for me as a person. Now, uh, when it came to my senior prom, the car that I had was a 1979 Pontiac Grand Prix. Now, I thought it was an amazing ride. Everyone who drove in it thought it was a death trap. It was a clunker. The passenger side, the door handle did not work. Uh, the netting on top of the roof came down and you couldn't hardly see when you were driving. But for me, I thought it was my bumping ride. Well, Ken was a little bit concerned about me taking my date on that. And he had just got a new car six months before. And so he came to me with the keys in hand and said, here's the keys. Don't wreck it, but you can take my car to the prom. And then all of a sudden, I'm driving his car. And I'm like, I got my lady on the side, and I'm in a cool ride, and everything was going wonderful. You see, throughout high school, what Ken did was, any way that he could, he tried to invest in my life. He wanted to make sure that I wasn't alone. He wanted to encourage me and build me up, even as a high schooler. Folks, all of us, at some point, we need someone in our life who can inspire us. We need someone who would encourage us, someone who would build us up, someone who sees potential in us that we can't see for ourselves. And so I want to ask you this morning to take a moment and to think, who was that person for you? Maybe it was when you were growing up. Maybe it's when you got your first job. Maybe it's someone who recently has spoken to your life. But who is the person in your life 
who has inspired you the most? Who is the person who has encouraged you, who has built you up, who has given you life when you felt like there wasn't life? You know, when I read Scripture, what I notice is that Jesus was that kind of person with every single person he came into contact with. In every conversation that he had, he simply was encouraging and challenging and helping people to see that they were unique and gifted by God in their own way. That he created them in a way to inspire them. And when it, when I think about inspiration, the scripture that comes to mind is this one right here. It says this, let us think of ways to motivate and inspire one another to acts of love and good works. Basically, what this scripture is saying, inspire everyone always. Because that's what Jesus did with every single person he came into contact with. Now, the word inspire comes from a Latin word, which is the word inspirar, which means to breathe or to blow into. Uh, for me, that, that's such an amazing imagery that we see there. You see, when you inspire someone, you actually are breathing in life to them. When you inspire someone, you're blowing hope into their lives. And it's amazing what just a little bit of inspiration can do when a person seems like the world is against them. A few years ago, my wife Jennifer and I had the opportunity to go to Kenya to care for people who were dying of AIDS and then also their orphan children that were left. And it was an amazing trip, and God used it in some incredible ways. And uh, our lives have never been changed since then on being able to care for people throughout the world. And at the end of the trip, though, we decided that what we would do is we would actually kind of bookend it with a safari. And so we were excited about that. We didn't have any kids. It was just the two of us, kind of like a second honeymoon. And we're out, you know, uh, in Africa. And one morning, uh, they had a trip for us that was planned that we were going to go up in a hot air balloon. And we were going to go over the Maasai Mara. And it was there that we could actually look and see all of the wildlife. Now... To go on this trip, though, you had to arrive at 4.30 in the morning. So it's totally dark, but you could kind of hear the rustling of the animals around you. And when we walked, or when we got there, we walked over to the hot air balloon and the tanks were filled and you could see this huge fire going up into this balloon. It was just a huge flame. And once we got into the actual basket, the flame then pushed the hot air into the balloon and it expanded the balloon as we were there. You could see it getting larger and larger as we were still on the ground. 
And the warm air that was going up was reacting to the cold air. And when they untied the rope, all of a sudden we were up in the air and we could see everything in the National Reserve. And it was an amazing sight. And all of the animals, the elephants, the giraffes, the zebras, everything we could see. But the whole reason that we were able to even do this ride was because the warm air was being blown into the balloon. To inspire someone, folks, means to breathe into them. To blow into their life hope that it actually expands and their life is changed. So right now, I want to ask you the question, who in your life are you inspiring today? Who in your life are you building into that you're blowing life into them? Well, after our celebration today, I just want to give you an opportunity and I want you to know where we're going with the teaching. We're going to give any of you a chance to actually have someone pray over you inspiration. So myself and Caleb and some of the staff, uh, when we're all done, we're actually going to walk out and we'll have our mask on and we'll be distanced and all that. But we're going to pray for you any inspiration that you might need in your life. And for those of you that are on the stream right now, uh, we got a really cool way we're going to do this. We actually created some Zoom accounts so that if you would like prayer in a private way, someone will uh, do that and we'll give you the link in just a second. So I just want you to know where we're going at the end of the celebration, if you choose to be a part of it. If you don't, that's fine, but we want to give you this opportunity. Now, before we get there, I just want to share with you kind of four phrases that you can use to inspire other people. In fact, these four phrases that I'm going to give you today are actually words of inspiration that God gives to each one of us. And here's the first one. If you want to uh, go to your app and uh, fill it in the outline, you can. But here it is. And the first one is this. I value you. I value you. I see you. I celebrate you. And I value you. I, I see what God has uniquely stored in you. You know, I know every single time when I go to one of my staff and I come to them and I go, you know what? I value you so much. You are so valuable to this church. Uh, We need you. You do such a great job. All of a sudden you can see them kind of get blown up. It's kind of like that balloon that all of a sudden they're like, wow, I'm needed here. And folks, when someone knows that they're valued, they contribute in a whole new way. In fact, Scripture does that for us as God gives us words of value all the time. Here's just a few of them. Ephesians 2.10 says this, You are God's masterpiece. Let's all say that out loud together, okay? One, two, three. You are God's masterpiece. Turn to the person beside you, okay? Just tell them, you are God's masterpiece. Go ahead, go ahead. Those of you on the stream, same thing. 
Psalm 139, 14 says this, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Philippians 4:13 says, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Folks, God values you and these are his promises to you. And when we hold on to these promises, then we are able to encourage the people around us. It actually changes the people around us when we live out a life of I value the people around us, whether it's our family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors. Because people rise, folks, when they know that they are valued. So, who is it in your life that you can breathe some hope into? Maybe someone in your family today needs to hear the words, you are God's masterpiece. Maybe someone who you work with actually needs to hear tomorrow. I value you. You're such a hard worker. You're so important to us. We couldn't do it without you. I don't know who the person is that you need to say those words to, but if you do, it can be a game changer. So, first of all, I value you. The second kind of phrase is this. You've got this. You've got this. My oldest daughter, Jordan, uh, swims on her middle school uh, team. And uh, before the swimming competition, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they had a meet in which the, the divers went first. And so there's all these kids that are diving, and I know nothing about diving whatsoever. It just looks really scary to me. And especially at that age, they're kind of awkward anyways. And they jump on the board, and they go out, and sometimes there's belly smackers. And it just looks like kids are ready to die, you know. It's one of those things I'm sure parents are freaking out. Uh, but anyways, they're all there. Well, there was a girl from the opposing team who got on the diving board. And you could tell when she got there, she was just nervous. Her face was red. She was like shaking like this. She had her head down the whole time. And then when she got ready to actually go dive, uh, I won't dive on any of you, okay? But as she got ready to actually go dive, she would go down and she got to the edge. You could catch me, I know. Um, Got to the edge. She just stopped. And it was like there was this wall of fear and she went back again. And she did it a second time and she just stopped and she came back again. And then all of a sudden she started crying and just bawling and she's still on the diving board. And uh, all of a sudden you hear from the back, you've got this. And it was her coach. And all of a sudden she looked over and she kind of wiped her tears and she looked at her coach And then all of her team started cheering for her. And they're like, you got this. And then like the opposing team, my my daughter's team, they all started cheering. Then the parents like in the stands were cheering. And I've never seen this before. But the three diving judges start cheering for the kid before she even dove. And all of a sudden you just saw her get a little bit bigger. And she was like inspired and she went out and she hit the, bo- uh, the, she hit the board and went off and dove and had an, an amazing dive. And when she came up out of the water, the whole place erupted for this little sixth grade girl. And this smile was bigger than life. 
You see, folks, the only thing that that little girl needed was some inspiration. All she needed was for somebody to say, you've got this. You've got this. Folks, the greatest things that you can give to another person is to give them hope to let them know when they're afraid, when they're overwhelmed, when they don't think they can make it anymore, that you remind them, you've got this. You've got this. You know, the pandemic uh, has been difficult for all of us to navigate. And I am not above that. As a pastor, uh, it was extremely difficult this past year, and we're still not out of it, and we're still trying to figure it out. But it was like, you know, the target was moving all the time, and are we making the right decisions and doing the protocols and trying to keep people safe and to love our neighbor and, and all of that. And uh, about a month ago, I was just kind of had everything just kind of weighing on me, feeling like, man, are we ever going to come back and kind of do church again like we used to? And I was feeling so overwhelmed. And uh, about that time, I got a text from somebody in the church, and they said, I just had a prompting that I needed to send you to this to you, and this is what the person wrote. Always know you are loved and treasured and cared for. Make sure you give yourself grace, too. I personally think you're doing an amazing job. I am praying for you. And I started bawling, kind of like I'm tearing up right now. But then after I got those words, I'm like, I can do this. We're going to do this. We're going to make something happen. And all of a sudden, it switched me around. And what that person was basically saying was, you got this. You've got this, and we've got your back. Folks, this is what I want to say to you. When you get a prompting to send an encouraging text to someone or to pick up the phone call, don't ignore it. Because it can be life-changing for the person on the other side. And it can totally revamp their life. That encouragement, that inspiration is so important. Don't hold back when you get that prompting. And let people know, you've got this, you've got this, whatever you're going through, you've got this. So I value you, you've got this. And the third thing is don't quit. Don't quit. You know, many of my uh, favorite movies are ones in which the character has a huge challenge in front of them. And just about the time that they're ready to stop, to give up, that they're going to throw in the towel, they realize that there is no possibility to quitting. They come to the point where they realize that quitting is not an option. Now, growing up as a kid, my number one movie was Rocky. Uh, do you remember this quote? It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Rocky. Or what about Yoda? Do or do not do. There is no try. 
You'll have no idea how long I've tried to work on that voice. I thought you'd be a little more impressed, okay? Uh, do or do not do. There is no trap. All right, we'll get better later. Um, or how about this person, Dory? Do you remember what Dory always said? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Let's all say that together. One, two, three. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Those of you on the stream right now, okay, do it on your own. But anyway, uh, just keep swimming. Or my, one of my favorite movies of all time, Forrest Gump. Remember the line? Run, Forrest, run, you know? And with each of these characters in these movies, they came to the point where they realized that quitting was not an option. Now, this makes sense on a movie, but it's really hard to do in life, isn't it? I mean, when you come up against something and you're feeling overwhelmed and you're at your wit's end, whether it's your job or parenting or something else, you just feel like, I just want to give up, I want to quit. A few years ago... uh, Shortly after we had started the church, we were about into year five. uh, All of the staff, except for Mikey, our communications director, left the church in a matter of six months. And when that happened, I had lost my entire staff. I, I was just ready to quit. I didn't think that the church could survive I didn't think I had the skill to hire new people and do it again because we had spent so much energy from being in homes to being upstairs at the Y to being in the gym. And I wasn't sure I could make it. I wasn't sure if the transition could take place. And one particular day, as I was kind of having a pity party for me, myself and I up in my bedroom, my wife was downstairs and she heard me kind of tearing up and she walked up. And I kind of thought that she would walk in and give me comfort and say, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. And she walked in and this is what she said. Chris Bunch, quit crying. God has called you to this church and there are no quitters in our family. Do not quit. God called you and he is going to use you. So get out of your lazy boy chair, which I was in. Go wipe off your face and start moving forward. Get back to work. I love that woman. But sometimes I can't stand her. And the truth is, folks, she was right. And what she was saying to me was, Chris, don't quit. Don't quit. You know, folks, this pandemic has hurt all of us in different ways, and we've all had different struggles. But one thing I've noticed is that in our family systems, because of maybe the political system and everything else, things got crazy, and all of a sudden, we just started quitting on certain people in our family. There would be these issues and struggles, or with coworkers or neighbors, and it's been tough. And maybe... What you need to hear when it comes to your family or others is don't quit on people. Don't quit even if they have crazy ideas and other thoughts. Who cares? Don't quit on others. And if some of you are battling right now with some things like that, 
Or maybe there's other stuff in your life. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's something else where you're like, I'm just ready to quit. Maybe it's on God himself. I'm just not so sure. I want to encourage you, don't quit. Now, throughout my life, uh, I have been a part of many sermons where you're at right now. I'm a PK, a pastor's kid, so I had to listen to a lot of sermons. Some of those sermons I slept through. Sorry, confession, but I did. Maybe you are this one. I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't land. But every once in a while, there'll be a teaching or a sermon that comes that just rocks my world. And one took place in 1988 in St. Louis, Missouri. We were at this big church conference, and in the evening, they had a pastor that gave a message, and the message title was, Keep On Keeping On. And the pastor stood up, and the very first thing he said, while we were all sitting there, was this, Have you ever felt like giving up? And then he paused for a real long time period. He goes, No, 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 I'm asking you, have you ever felt... Like giving up. And I was 17 years old and I was getting ready to start cross country. It was my senior year. I know what cross country is. It's uphills and downhills and you want to give up. You just want to throw in the towel sometimes. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to run cross country or not. And I was like, man, I I get this guy. Because I feel like giving up sometimes. And then he went on to say, When you feel like giving up, when you feel like throwing in the towel, then he gave the message, keep on keeping on. And when he got to the end of everything, he would just go through this whole litany of stuff. When your marriage is rocky, keep on keeping on. When you're depressed and discouraged, keep on keeping on. When you file bankruptcy, keep on keeping on. When you're unemployed, keep on keeping on. When you want to quit school, keep on keeping on. When you want to quit your job, keep on keeping on. When you feel all alone and depressed and discouraged, keep on keeping on. And when someone you love dies and you don't want to go forward... Keep on keeping on because God's with you and he will sustain you and he will strengthen you if you will keep on keeping on. And I'll tell you what, that message I have never forgotten. And any time that I'm discouraged or I feel like wanting to just throw in the towel, I'm reminded of that phrase, keep on keeping on. Folks, who in your life right now needs to be able to hear the words, don't quit, don't quit, keep on keeping on? Is it one of your kids who's struggling right now and they need you to say, don't quit? Maybe it's a coworker who's struggling with something. You need to be the person to say, don't quit. Maybe it's someone who's got a marriage that is just holding on by a thread. You need to remind them, don't quit. 
I don't know who it is that you need to say that to, but there's someone in your circle of influence right now that you need to remind them, I am thinking on you, I am praying for you, and don't quit. Please, don't quit. So I value you, you've got this, and don't quit. And then finally, I believe in you. I believe in you. You know, there is nothing that encourages a person more than when another person looks at them and says, I believe in you. I'm for you. I'm with you. You can get through this. I'm realizing that God has great things in store for you, and I believe in you. I mean, just think about Jesus and how the people he came into contact with daily, whoever came in front of him, he was like, I believe in you. One of those people was a fisherman, a guy by the name of Simon. He was just an ordinary, uneducated fisherman. But when Jesus came to him, he gave him a new name. He actually said, I'm going to change your name. And when he did this, it took him to new heights. Jesus looked intensely into Simon's face and he said these words. Scripture says this. You are Simon, John's son. But from now on, I shall call you Peter the Rock. Now just think about that. If you were just a grimy old fisherman that no one cared about and the Son of God came in front of you and said, but now I'm giving you a new name, you are going to be called Peter the Rock. Imagine what that did to him. And Peter then went forward after that and he was the leader of the church after Jesus died and rose again and ascended back to heaven. He said, Peter, now... The church will be built and you will be my point person. You know, one of the greatest gifts I realize more and more that I have in my life is that my parents, who are 82 and 83, are always believing in me. Now, it's kind of funny to uh, watch them now because my dad can't hear and my mom can't see, you know, and uh, they just, they're a fun couple to be around. Drive you a little crazy sometimes, but they're fun. And throughout my life, the thing that I've realized more and more, that they've always been people who've looked at me and they've said, Chris, we believe in you. Now, I'm 49 years old. I don't necessarily need a text from mommy and daddy telling me how much they think they believe in me, but that it doesn't matter. They do. Today, when you all think one way or the other, like, man, he was too long, or man, it wasn't very good, or, well, there was one thing he did right, my parents will blow up my phone with text and phone calls saying, we believe in you. You did awesome. You did great. Even when I bomb. Now, this is what I know about a crowd this side, size, and for those of you that are on the stream right now, and it's this. But some of you never had parents like that. You never had parents that really said, I believe in you. Maybe your parents are deceased and they did at one time, but you don't hear those words anymore. Or maybe the reality is you've never had anyone in your life who said, I believe in you. 
Well, I want to give you a person who does believe in you, and that is your heavenly Father. God looks down from heaven to each and every single one of you, all of you in the balcony too, and those of you on the stream, and He says to you today, as the God of the universe, your heavenly Father, I believe in you, I am with you, and I am for you. I mean, every day, every moment when you wake up, whether you mess up, screw up, flub up in some way, he says, it doesn't matter, I still believe in you. But the problem is, is that life can beat us down so much that we're often tempted to just want to throw in the towel and quit. So this is how we're going to combat that today. In just a moment, like I shared earlier, myself and Caleb and some of the staff and leaders uh, will come and will pray for anyone who would like to have some prayer of inspiration. So if you're the person who's like, you know what, I, I just don't feel very valuable in my life. We're going to pray value into your life. If you're a person who might be at the point where you're just like, I've never had anyone in my camp who said to that little girl who is the diver, you've got this, whatever it is you're facing right now, that you've got this, we want to pray that into your life. Maybe for others of you right now, you're at a point where you're ready to quit on something. You're like, I don't want to, but I need inspiration from God. We want to pray for you. Don't quit. And maybe for some of you, it's just you've never heard before your Heavenly Father turn to you and say, I value you. I believe in you. So we're going to put up these four phrases. And what I'd like you to do is just pick one. We need all four of them all the time. But in your life right now, what is the phrase of inspiration that you need the most? And after I close this in prayer, like I said, we'll come and we'll pray for any of you that would like prayer in the midst of that. Now, if you're on the stream, we have a really cool thing that we're going to do for you is we have a a Zoom link that you can click on and be a part of and it'll be private. No one else will be there. Just you and one of our uh, prayer uh, coordinators will just pray with you and you can do that as well. You know, folks, our church is at its best when we're encouraging one another, when we're building one another up, when we're letting one another know, I value you, you've got this, don't quit, I believe in you. You know, I was thinking about it, hot air balloons were never designed to stay grounded. They were designed to soar. And the way that happens is when you blow life and you breathe life into it. And in the same way, maybe some of you today are in need of just a little inspiration for someone to breathe life into you. And we'll give you an opportunity to do that after our closing prayer. Let's pray.
Loving God, we are so grateful for you. We thank you, God, for the way that you have inspired us to remind us that we are loved, that we are your children, that you send forgiveness and grace no matter what we've done with our life, that you forgive us and you call us by name. God, I know there are some people here today and they just need to be reminded that you are valuable, that you can do this, You've got this. Don't quit. I believe in you. God, would you speak those words, you, God, through your Holy Spirit, into the hearts of your people this morning. Now, maybe for some of you, you've never really believed that there is a God who wants to have a relationship with you. You've never really believed that there is a God who longs every day to encourage you, that you're the apple of His eye to build you up. Maybe in some ways you're, you're kind of like me for much of my life. I, I just never thought I was good enough. And that God would not want to have something to do with me, that He wouldn't accept me. And then I finally realized that that's why Jesus Christ came to planet Earth, was to die on a cross because I wasn't good enough, but He was. And because of that, I don't have to seek God's approval because God sent His Son to be the approval for me. He died once and for all so that each of us could be received as his children. And we could get a clean slate, all sin forgiven, and a home in heaven to live. And so today, if you're like, I need that in my life. I need an inspiring God who's going to remind me that he is with me, he's for me. He values me. He believes in me. He tells me, don't quit. He says, you've got this. And he wants that relationship with you. So right now, if you're ready to make that commitment, I'm going to invite you to simply share this prayer. Just repeat it after me. And you don't pray this prayer alone, but we all pray it together in community. And so I invite you to simply repeat after me our prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.